This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome, everyone, to the PFF Fantasy Podcast. I am your host, John Macri, fantasy analyst here at PFF, and I am once again joined on this wonderful Waiver Wire Tuesday by PFF's lead fantasy analyst, the one and only Nathan Yonke. Nate, what's up, man? Hey, it's going well. We had a very interesting Monday Night Football game with lots and lots of penalties and weirdness, but it was definitely a game that happened, but excited to talk about some Waiver Wires today as well. Yeah, it was a game that happened is probably the best way to put it. I mean, it was it was a tough one. I, another primetime bloodbath of the New York Giants. Uh, the Seahawks take it 24-3 for anybody that didn't maybe watch it until the end. Um, this game was understandably tough to watch. Uh, not if you're a Seahawks fan, but literally for anyone else trying to watch this stud of a Monday nighter. Um, I know I was looking for preseason hockey to watch. Um instead but i ultimately stuck with it so we could discuss today uh which leads me into our first topic of discussion uh nate a little trivia for you this this is a tough one okay um can you name the giants tight end who the team traded for in the offseason of 2023 to potentially be their go-to target and provide a boost to their passing game not a lot of people will remember this one certainly not the giants but maybe maybe you can get it it's a tough one uh, yeah, they re- did remember in the last about five minutes of the game that it was Darren Waller. He had one target in the first 55 minutes and then two targets right at the end. So I write my recap articles and especially for Monday and Thursday night football, I have it pretty well written by the middle of the fourth quarter and then had to change it once and then change it again for him. But um, it was an interesting game in that like he started the game with Daniel Bellinger. They used a bit of two tight end sets. They both saw significant playing time on that first drive. And then Bellinger got hurt at the end of the first drive, did not play for the rest of the game. So New York was down a tight end. And instead of having the next man up replace Bellinger, it was just a lot of Waller over the course of the rest of the game. Um, They used a little bit of six offensive linemen sets if they really needed an extra blocker, but Waller was used as a blocker on run plays, but in pass plays, he was running routes the vast majority of the time, so I could have been more okay if he didn't have that much receiving production, if he was asked to stay in and block a lot with Seattle's pass rush in this game, uh, considering how many times they uh, sacked Daniel Jones, but he was running pass routes the majority of the time, so it was a little surprising that he didn't see the production that we were hoping for, especially how Seattle typically runs a lot of zone defense as well, and typically against zone defense, it's the running backs and tight ends who are seeing a lot of targets, so this was fairly concerning game for him. I He's also hasn't been on the injury list the past two weeks. So I kept trying to find like reasons for why this is happening and wasn't coming up with any good ones. So at this point I am decently concerned about him. Yeah. Super frustrating game for uh, fantasy managers who have Darren Waller. This is now, I think his third game with only three catches. And and like you said, 86% route participation. So he was out there um, running routes, but just basically a ghost um, to, to, Daniel Jones and and the passing offense, but um, yeah, it's hard, right? The tight end position being what it is as well. I mean, we got Jonu Smith and and Drew Ogletree providing more value uh, this week. It's just been really frustrating. Hopefully more better games ahead for for Darren Waller. It's hard to get worse than this, but the the route participation's there. We just need the targets to go his way as well. Um, Anything else from the Giants side uh, worth discussing in this one, uh, Nate? Oh, yeah, there was actually a decent amount of interesting stuff for the Giants, which probably doesn't matter in the short term. But if the Giants offense starts playing better, then it could have a big difference long term. Um, First at outside receiver, they have been going with Darius Slayton and Isaiah Hodgins over the first couple weeks. Uh, Jalen Hyatt uh, playing 
the, as the primary backup outside receiver. Um, Hodgins started this game, but by the third play, Hyatt was in there and he was seeing the clear majority of snaps on the outside over the rest of the game. Um, this only led to two receptions for 10 yards. Hodgins running fewer routes, uh, had three catches for 24 yards. So this didn't really matter specifically for this game, but this is a pretty promising sign that Hyatt can be more than just a deep threat wide receiver. Uh, over the course of the season, he could very well be the starting wide receiver as soon as this upcoming week. Um, a decent amount of the difference in terms of snaps were on run plays, so Hyatt didn't run all that many more routes than Hodgins did, but still, um, we thought there was a chance that Hyatt would stay around 25-30% of offensive snaps over the rest of the season and just come in when they needed that deep threat receiver or just needed a backup in, so this was fairly promising. Um, also, Sterling Shepard, who uh, is their other backup outside receiver, he really didn't start playing until the fourth quarter. So um, he's pretty decently out of the picture at this point and not uh, someone competing with Hyatt for snaps. So good to see there. And then similarly, if we move to the slot, we had Wandale Robinson uh, return to action last week from his ACL injury. Uh, he was used on a limited basis, ran 11 routes, but he was targeted on five of them. So clear they wanted to get him involved. And this week um, they started in 12 personnel, so he wasn't a starter in this game. But the second play, they went to 11 personnel. Robinson was on the field instead of Paris Campbell. And Robinson was the primary slot receiver over the rest of the game, while uh, Campbell still mixed in pretty significantly. Um, they finished first and second on the team in terms of pass route or in terms of targets among the wide receivers. So clear they wanted to get the ball to their slot receivers. It was Matt Breida who ended up uh, leading the Giants in general and receiving, but the slot receivers both did fairly well. Probably something that we can't rely on too much unless Robinson is able to fully take over the job and see snaps either similar or even better than what he was seeing last season. But still good to note that. Um, Campbell was someone who is viewed as a sleeper at the start of the season. He's now um, can be dropped even in deeper leagues. I know I had him here and there, but uh, interesting to see the Giants turn more towards their younger wide receivers going forward. So if they ever start doing better, then uh, they could be factors in fantasy football. Yeah, I, I like it. I mean, it was nice to see Wandale get involved at, at least, right? He's only his second game back from a torn ACL and, and led the team in targets with, with six. Um, but yeah, like you said, hopefully the, the passing offense gets a little bit better because um, there could be potential there for Wandale Robinson if they, they like him that much that they're continuing to, to target him at a high rate. Um, anything else from the Giants side that you want to go over before we maybe touch on the Seahawks a little bit? Um, no, I think that pretty well covers the Giants, so I'll, I'll jump to the Seahawks. And the probably most interesting thing there was at running back, uh, the two-minute drill, Kenneth Walker uh, played in the two-minute drill this week. Uh, week one, it was DJ Dallas. The previous two weeks, it was Zach Charbonnet. Um, we saw Walker last season not really play in two-minute drills over the first several weeks of the season. And then the last four weeks, he was the primary player in two minute drills. So they trusted him enough to do it last year. And now it seems like they're trusting him enough to do it again, which that is great for his fantasy value. Uh, he's continued to see at least a couple snaps on third and long um, in this game. He's done it the last couple games as well. So instead of it just being DJ Dallas as the primary receiving running back um it's been kind of sharing the role so that's definitely good for walker and also decently good for uh, charbonnet's potential as well if they're facing dj dallas out of the offense because that means charbonnet can also take half of the third down snaps and see some work on early downs but for now this basically means walker can pretty well be trusted as a top 10 maybe even top five fantasy running back going forward uh, given how big his role is in the Seahawks offense. I know this wasn't the greatest game for him. He almost had that a long touchdown if he wasn't down on what the first or second offensive play of the game for Seattle. And then he was stuck at negative one rushing yards for almost the entire first half, but eventually scored his touchdown, started gaining more yards in the second half. So I think this is a pretty promising sign for Walker. Yeah, he's looked solid, and I believe the Seahawks head into a bye week this week as well, so they will be off, and uh, we'll see how 
things kind of stick after that. Um, and, and if maybe Charbonnet gets more involved, but you're right. I, Walker's looked great, and that usage has been very uh, encouraging as well. Anything else from this game, or you want to move on to our waivers? Uh, last note, uh, at the Seahawks' tight ends, it's just funny to look at their uh, roles in this game. None of them played over 50% of pass routes. It was just a complete rotation. Uh, Noah Fant and Will Disley, both on the injury report coming into this game, and yet Noah Fant ends up leading the team in receiving yards because Geno Smith uh, missed that one drive at the end of the game or end of the first half. Uh, so Drew Locke came in first time with the Seahawks, a longtime teammate of Noah Fant going back to their days in Denver and now in Seattle, uh, connect on a 51-yard pass that was almost a touchdown, just one yard short. So uh, Fant got all of his receiving work from Drew Locke. So uh, not, not expecting anything out of the Seahawks tight ends over the rest of the year. There are three talented players, and because there are three talented players, none of them can be fantasy relevant, but uh, just fun to see in this game, even though it doesn't help too many people's fantasy lineups. Yeah, yeah. It was actually a pretty decent run there by Noah Fan. Like, but like you said, the, the usage has been uh, pretty wild with these uh, Seahawks tight ends, so not somebody that we're trusting here on a weekly basis. But enough of that game. We're, we're going to move on to this week's waiver wire targets. Um, but before we do, I want to give a quick shout-out to our presenting sponsor, Fabric by Gerber Life. Fall is all about the back-to-school and back-to-routine checklist, and the most important task on that list should be securing your family's financial future, starting with life insurance. Fabric by by Gerber Life makes it quick, easy, and affordable to protect your family so you can get back to enjoying life. Fabric was designed by Parents for Parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy uh, in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to cover it in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash fantasy. That's meetfabric.com slash fantasy. Um, M-E-E-T fabric.com slash fantasy policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company not available in certain states prices subject to underwriting and health questions all right let's go to the waiver wire and let's start where we always do we always start with the quarterbacks a smaller list this week which means uh, people are getting in on the quarterbacks that we've discussed in in previous weeks and we may only be talking about the first player uh, for only a little bit longer as well. Um, CJ Stroud is at the top of the list here, uh, just rostered in 30.7% of leagues. He uh, is the top waiver ad for you on your quarterbacks. We also have Matthew Stafford of the Los Angeles Rams in 33% of leagues, and Sam Howell of the Washington Commanders, who is rostered in just 9% of leagues, and those are from ESPN. So, Nate, where do you want to start uh, when it comes to these quarterback waiver wire targets? Uh, we'll start with Stroud, and he might be the best waiver target out of all of the positions this week. Uh, he was someone at the start of the season that he was putting up big numbers, but that's because Houston was playing from behind and passing a ton. So I wasn't fully buying it at that point, but now they've put together two straight victories where he hasn't been passing as much, but still has been a bit more efficient passing the ball and therefore still putting up numbers. So the past three weeks, he's finished as a top 12 fantasy quarterback. So if you've had him and for whatever reason, put him in your starting lineup over these past three weeks, you've probably been fairly happy with the results. Um, the Houston offense looks legitimate at this point. It's been a couple weeks and they've been playing very well and getting better. Um, they still have the young talent on the team. Nico Collins had a really good week. Uh, Tank Dell didn't have quite as good of a week, but that's because all of the targets were going to Nico Collins and it was working. Um, they have a run game. They uh, have a rotation of tight ends. So things have been looking fairly good. He's among the top 10 in terms of uh, passing fantasy points on his dropbacks. Uh, the only thing is he's not running the ball all that much. So that works against him a little bit. Typically with younger quarterbacks, we see them run a little bit more. So ideally uh, he'd be running here and there to, pad his fantasy totals but with how well he's passing um he definitely needs to be on fantasy rosters at this point it's just a matter of which quarterbacks you're starting him over versus uh benching him uh just depending on the opponent so i think he's someone who can be in fantasy starting lineups for a number of weeks going forward 
Yeah, he's been solid. I mean, look, he's he's a top 10 fantasy quarterback in most scoring formats right now. Like you said, I, I love the Texans' weapons there between Nico Collins, Tank Dell. Tank, Nico Collins was somebody I think we talked about as a sleeper this offseason. He's been amazing so far. I think he's like PPR wide receiver seven or something like that. So the Texans' offense right now, it, it's working. They survived the, the Steelers' defense and pass rush as well, which was nice to see. So some encouraging stuff there out of Houston and for C.J. Stroud. Um, how about these other two quarterbacks, Matthew Stafford and Sam Howell? Uh, Matthew Stafford, I'll go with next. Um, all three of these quarterbacks, they're uh, the top three quarterbacks in terms of dropbacks so far this season. So volume has definitely helped all of them. Uh, Stafford and Stroud are uh, two of the four quarterbacks averaging at least 300 passing yards per game. So getting plenty of passing volume uh, has graded better than uh, we expected given his age and how well he played last season and uh, reports are Cooper cups returning to practice this week. Not sure if he'll be in the lineup this week, but having cup back should only help Stafford and his numbers get even better as the season goes on. So he's another person that's been basically a fantasy starter and we have reason to believe he'll improve going forward. So while I prefer Stroud just because I expect him to continue to improve since it's early in his rookie year where we know uh, what Stafford is capable of at this point, and we are hoping that Cup is able to return to the player that he once was. But we don't know that he will be able to do that for sure. So uh, because of that, I prefer Stroud to Stafford, but definitely happy to get Stafford as a consolation prize if I'm not able to get Stroud. Yeah, for sure. And and, and I think... They, this came out yesterday. Stafford is dealing with some kind of a hip injury. Um, Sean McVay feels pretty optimistic that he'll he'll be able to go, but something kind of worth monitoring as well. So if you're concerned about the injury and, and you want to use that as a tiebreaker too for CJ Stroud over Stafford, um, definitely understandable as well. Um, and then, like you said, the other one, Sam Howell uh, of the Washington Commanders is the least rostered quarterback in here but it's only really had like one stinker of a game uh so far this year in in week three otherwise he's finished as like qb 11 12 13 in the other three so how, how do you feel about uh, sam howell if the other two are gone i uh, yeah he's been a sleeper for a while this season i uh, had a fairly good game against the eagles threw for 290 yards graded very well a big thing for fantasy purposes is he set career highs in terms of rushing attempts with six, rushing yards with 40. Uh, he's someone that we thought would be a bit more of a rushing quarterback, which is part of the reason why some of us were high on him as a sleeper quarterback. So if he's able to start running the ball a bit more, that'll be huge for his fantasy production. And he's also just another young quarterback, has a lot of good weapons around him. So we hope that he can improve as the season progresses. Um, a lot of those other quarterbacks that were kind of in that court category, uh, Jordan Love, Brock Purdy, both players who have performed early in the season, so now are on a lot more fantasy rosters. So it is a bit harder to find those young high upside players at this point in the season on the waiver wire. And I think Howell is one of the few or possibly the only option left in some of those leagues where CJ Stroud is probably already on rosters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was nice to get see him get the 40 rushing yards this past week and, and and also to get Jahan Dotson a little bit more involved as well. McLaurin and Samuel have been solid. So another guy that has some decent weapons there. They also get the Bears on Thursday night in week five. Feels like a pretty good opportunity to stream Sam Howell with bye weeks also happening, maybe for Justin Herbert managers, for example. So um, Sam, Sam Howell should be another one that people consider this week off the waiver wire. Uh, let's move on to the running back position, and we have at the top of the list here, we have Jaleel McLaughlin of the Denver Broncos, only rostered in 0.5% of ESPN leagues. Um, you've also mentioned Gus Edwards and Justice Hill of the Baltimore Ravens, as well as Keaton Mitchell of the Baltimore Ravens uh, and Chuba Hubbard of the Carolina Panthers. So we'll start with these uh, this, this group of four here. Um, where do you want to start among your, your top running back claims? Uh, we'll start with McLaughlin. Um, Javante Williams suffered a hip injury in the second quarter of Sunday's game, so Jaleel took over as the early down running back, looked fairly well running, ran seven times for 72 yards, also caught three passes for 32 yards, scored a touchdown, so um, it was good to see him play this well considering he's an undrafted rookie, and we weren't expecting too much out of him this season. Um, 
the only thing is he didn't fully take over Williams' role. Samaj P. Ryan did take over as the goal line and short yardage back, which considering uh, Jaleel is five foot nine, 187 pounds, and P. Ryan's uh, two inches taller and a good 50 pounds heavier, not all that surprising that you would want P. Ryan in in short yardage situations. So not expecting Jaleel to be as good as Williams was at Williams misses any time. Uh, the only thing we've heard so far is Adam Schefter pretty shortly after the game said that they don't expect the injury to be serious, but the Broncos haven't really addressed it at this point. So we don't know exactly how long Williams will be out for if he's missing any time. So if you're picking uh, him up, then you might be getting someone that you can put in starting lineups for a week or two, or he might not be in the um in the discussion for very long. Um, the only thing I'd note, even though this isn't quite a waiver wire thing, but Samaj P. Ryan, I think it's interesting to note that he didn't take over as the early down back. Um, a month ago, we were drafting him in case Williams missed time, and we thought P. Ryan was capable of being in every down back, but it looks like um, Denver didn't really view him in that way, at least uh, with how uh, Jaleel has been playing. So P. Ryan, someone that I'd keep him on my rosters for now just because he's getting that short yardage work as well as those passing down snaps and being the primary early down backup. But once Williams is back, I'd be more inclined to drop P. Ryan at this point just because we know he's not going to be the early down back unless there are multiple injuries. Nice. Good call there. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens with, with Javante Williams. The team, or I mean, it sounded like doctors are, are optimistic, according to Adam Schefter, but we don't know what the team thinks of it. So um, we'll see there. And how about the other one? How about the Ravens running back? Because you got three names here, Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, Keaton Mitchell. Um, what do you like about this group here? Sure. So the Baltimore Ravens in general, if you look at the other 31 teams in the NFL, all of them have at least one running back that is rostered in over 50% of ESPN leagues. A lot of them have two running backs that are rostered that much. And the Ravens are the one team that doesn't have any running back that's rostered in over 50% of leagues. So I think there's an opportunity there for at least one of these running backs to step up. So um, you're kind of taking lottery tickets at this point of which one it might be going forward. So that's why we have several names listed here. Um, but the Ravens were someone we talked about early in the season as a team that could be passing more with their new offensive coordinator. And that hasn't really happened too much. They're still among the top teams in the league and how much they are running the ball. So there definitely is an opportunity for at least one running back to stand out here. Um, in this past game, it was Gus Edwards, uh, Justice Hill dealing with an injury, so he wasn't 100. percent I'm only played, I believe, in the first half of the game in this one. So, uh, Hill is someone that I expect to see more playing time when he's healthy. I tend to still le lean Hill a little bit in terms of Justice Hill versus Gus Edwards because I would expect Hill to get most of the passing down work and roughly half of the early down work once the two of them are both healthy. But then we also have Keaton Mitchell who. Um, there was a lot of hype around him at the beginning of the season, was one of our highest graded running backs throughout the preseason, although we've seen plenty of players who played well in the preseason uh, not do quite as well once the regular season hit. But uh, Mitchell ended up on injured reserve, uh, is eligible to return this week. Um, I don't think they activated him yesterday, so don't know for sure if they think Mitchell will be ready uh, this upcoming week or if it'll take a little bit longer. Um, he was basically splitting time with Melvin Gordon in the preseason once when he was healthy. So they haven't added Gordon to the active roster. They've just been calling him up from the pre up of the practice squad. So would expect Mitchell to at least be the third running back once he's healthy. And he has a chance to overtake Hill and Edwards if he keeps playing as well as he was in the preseason. So um, if you're looking for more of uh, just someone to pick up in case they can do well over the second half of the season that is not rostered in very many leagues. I think Mitchell is probably the best bet that you can take there. Nice. I like it. Yeah, like you said, trying to find these kind of lottery tickets, especially in Baltimore, um, where somebody could emerge as a, as a fantasy-relevant back and a consistent one. And, um, yeah, Keith Mitchell, not a bad one there, especially since he's only rostered in 2.3% of fantasy leagues. So uh, like the call there. Uh, how about Chuba Hubbard? Um, he's kind of emerged. He actually led the, the Panthers running backs and carries this week. Um, how are you feeling about Chuba Hubbard going forward? 
I'm at least interesting to see how this Panthers backfield ends up shaking out. Uh, Miles Sanders has been dealing with an injury, so that's a decent reason why he wasn't seeing as much playing time in this game. It was good to see Hubbard, uh, they someone who can take early down snaps as well as passing down snaps. So at any point this season, Sanders ends up missing time. Then I expect Hubbard to see a very significant amount of playing time and would be worth putting in fantasy starting lineups. But he's also generally looked better than Sanders uh, in the run game. So I wouldn't be surprised if Hubbard also starts seeing more opportunities, especially if this injury for Sanders ends up uh, lingering on a little bit longer. So uh, he's someone who could have some standalone value in the near future, as well as uh, he's a clear handcuff who would see significant playing time and could have long-term value if he keeps playing well. Yeah, I'm with you. And yeah, like you said, been the more efficient runner for Carolina in three of the four games this year and then obviously on the year as well. So um, good stuff there for Chupa Hubbard. Uh, the rest of the running back list here, you have Roshan Johnson, who's rostered in 45% of leagues. Kenneth Gainwell of the Philadelphia Eagles and Eagles also in 45%. Zach Charbonnet of the Seattle Seahawks in 41%. And Tajay Spears of the Tennessee Titans rostered in 20% of league. So uh, where do you want to start with uh, this group? Um, I can probably group all four of them pretty well together sure. since they're players that have all been on this list basically every week. And they all kind of took a step back this week because the other running backs on their rosters all had fairly good games. So um, if anything, these are the kind of players to see if anyone drops them in your league so that you can pick them up with uh, Johnson and Gainwell. A lot of it is uh, with Johnson. We, the Bears still started the game the same way they've always started it uh, with uh, Herbert playing two drives, Johnson playing one drive, and then going from there. So since that's been pretty consistent, I could see Johnson going back to seeing more opportunities next week, especially if he's playing well. Uh, Gainwell just remains one of the top handcuffs because the Eagles have one of the best offensive lines in the league, and Swift has a history of injuries, and it's pretty clear that Gainwell is viewed a lot higher than the other two running backs on the roster with Boston Scott not seeing any playing time in this game and Rashad Penny being in an active. So um, if something were to happen to Swift, Gainwell would uh, go back to being a clear starter. Uh, Charbonnet, Spears, just both rookies who have looked good when they've been given the opportunity. There's just a clear top running back on their team. So um, probably not going to see much standalone value anytime soon. But if something does happen to the starters on those teams, then these two would be uh, pretty highly thought of in terms of rankings week in and week out. So just generally good to have rookies who are playing well, just in case they end up being able to break out in the second half of the season, even though we don't see that clear path to playing time right now. Nice. There we go. Good shout. Um, all right. Before we move on to the wide receivers and, and the tight ends, I do want to give another shout out to one of our sponsors, uh, DraftKings. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games and who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL new customers can bet five dollars on football and get two hundred dollars instantly in bonus bets get in on the NFL action with DraftKings Sportsbook download the app now and use code PFF to sign up new customers can bet just five dollars to take home 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code PFF the crown is yours Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. cdkng.co slash football for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. All right, let's go to the wide receivers to target off the waiver wire. And at the top of the list, somebody that we talked about last week, but still just under that 50% threshold on ESPN is Josh Palmer of the Los Angeles Chargers, rostered in 46% of uh, leagues. We also have Romeo Dobbs of the Green Bay Packers, uh, Zay Jones of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Both of those guys are hovering in between 30 and 40%. And Michael Wilson of the Arizona Cardinals in just 1.4% of ESPN League. So among this group of four here, uh, where do you want to start, Nate? Uh, we'll start at the top with Palmer. Um, with Mike Williams suffering his ACL injury that's ended his season, uh, we saw exactly what we expected out of Palmer this past week. 
Um, he became a primary starter in both two wide receiver sets, uh, continued to be one in three wide receiver sets. Didn't see quite as much playing time as he did last year when he was a starter, but that was explained by the fact that uh, the Chargers ran a lot of snaps out of 13 personnel in this game. Um, not a common personnel grouping for them, but they decided to use it in this game significantly. So in 13 personnel, there's only one wide receiver on the field. Uh, Palmer was that wide receiver for about half the time. So um, the other half of the time that he missed basically accounts for all all of the snaps that he wasn't on the field for. Similarly, Keenan Allen didn't play at all in that personnel grouping, so his playing time was a bit lower in that game, but that didn't matter too much for him in terms of his fantasy production. Uh, Palmer caught three passes for 77 yards, so a decent fantasy performance out of him. Ideally, he can start scoring some touchdowns at times as well, but basically expect this out of Palmer. I think he's someone that you can start on a decent amount of games just depending on the opponent and uh, how good that matchup is. But I think having those kind of wide receivers that you're happy starting, depending on the opponent, it's good to have some of those on your roster. Yeah. Yeah. Especially on that offense. Right. And like you said, just three catches, but 77 yards, um, 51 of, of which came on the last play of the game with that, that dime by Justin Herbert down the sideline on like third and 10 to close it out. So that was at least nice to see to help kind of salvage his day a little bit, but eight targets led the team in target rate at 26%. Um, they do get a bye week in, in week five. So I wonder if maybe we see that as kind of a reason to get Quentin Johnston a little bit more involved post bye, but I, I like Palmer. I think the Chargers also like Palmer enough to kind of keep him heavily involved as well. So I would definitely still be adding uh, Josh Palmer if he's available. Um, how about these other guys, Romeo Dobbs, Zay Jones, and Michael Wilson, who's the, the, some of the more interesting names here? Uh, Dobbs, I know I've had him high on this list basically every week, but he just caught nine passes for 95 yards on Thursday Night Football. Uh, so career highs in receptions and receiving yards. Um, also had gained 73 yards the previous week. So he had been injured the first two weeks of the season, played while injured, didn't get as many yards. So now that uh, he's healthy these past two games, he's been performing how we've expected. So having a wide receiver who is consistently gaining 70 yards is pretty good to see. Um, there was talk that he'd be Jordan Love's uh, favorite target. And so far, that seems to be the case. I know Christian Watson finally returned from his injury. Uh, only played uh, part of the time in this past game. I expect Watson to see more playing time going forward, especially with Green Bay having a little bit more extended time off after playing on Thursday night football. But even with Watson, if he's playing a full amount of snaps, I still expect Dobbs to see a significant number of targets in this game, uh, seeing the amount of playing time that you would hope for a starting wide receiver now. So um, I think Dobbs should definitely be on fantasy rosters at this point. Um, he's a similar boat as Palmer, a starting wide receiver who I would be happy to put in my lineup just depending on who the Packers are playing that week. Yeah, good call. And it, yeah, it was definitely nice to see him so involved too. And I, I know Luke Musgrave left the game kind of early. Watson was was kind of working his way back, but still encouraging stuff to see uh, Jordan Love want to go to him so often there. I think that can continue still. Um, even when those guys are back fully healthy. But um, Zay Jones and Michael Wilson. Uh, Zay Jones rostered 38%. Michael Wilson just 1%. So uh, where, where do you want to start uh, with these two guys? Uh, sure, we'll start with Jones. Uh, he's been out with injury these past two weeks. Christian uh, Kirk's been playing pretty well this past week. Uh, Jones is someone that he's probably getting dropped in a number of leagues. I know his roster ship percentage has been steadily decreasing with the injury, so I'd be looking to see if he's been dropped in your league. But uh, he just was a, a top 30 fantasy wide receiver last season, still seeing a significant a number of pass routes and target rate. His tar target rate has been nearly identical this year, even with Calvin Ridley lining up across from him. Uh, he just... A number of his catch, uh, a number of his targets have been uncatchable so far this season. So that's why his production wasn't quite as good to start the season. But I think uh, once I think that'll regress to the mean, he'll get more catchable targets and start doing better once he's back. I expect him to continue to see the same amount of playing time he was before once he's healthy. So just another guy that I think is capable of being a top thirty fantasy wide receiver and someone that could be in fantasy starting lineups depending on the matchup. But the Jaguars like having uh, Jones and Ridley on the outside, Kirk in the slot. So you know where Jones will be lining up, and especially if there's a team that's going to be shadowing Ridley, 
then you know what cornerback Jones is going to be facing each week. So having that detail of information about the lineup can help you decide which weeks you can and can't have Jones in your lineup. Nice. I like that. Yeah. And then the, the other guy, Michael Wilson, who finished as a PPR wide receiver six um, this past week, pretty talented third round pick, uh, somebody that was efficient with, with his opportunities or through the first three weeks, obviously came through big uh, this past week, just wasn't getting the opportunities previously. So uh, did we see a, a, an upswing in, in uh, Michael Wilson's usage in, in week four? Uh, yeah, this was a really good week for Wilson. A lot of the guys that we're talking about today, I had prepared and knew that we were going to be talking about before I wrote the article, before the week happened. Wilson was probably one of the clear players who uh, his stock rose a lot this past week based on this game. Uh, he's someone who in the preseason had earned the outside receiving job, so that was good to see. About two weeks back, um, they seemed to be not as high on him, started rotating him out a little bit more, but even over the course of that game in week two, uh, by the end of it, he was playing every snap again over the past couple of drives. So it seemed like um, that maybe had motivated Wilson because he played decently well a week ago and then uh, scored the two touchdowns in this game. So uh, he has the role that you want out of a starting fantasy receiver. Uh, he has 2.3 yards per out run now this season, which out of the 13 rookie wide receivers with 50 routes run, he ranks second only behind Puka Nakua. I know this is the Cardinals offense, which has been a bit hit or miss, and they ended up passing the ball 47 times in this one. So part of this game in general was just volume. So Wilson was given more opportunities because the entire offense had plenty of opportunities. But um, I think Wilson's been making big plays as well. One of the top wide receivers so far this season of plays of at least 15 yards uh, with a list of a lot of wide receivers who are fantasy starters at this point. So I'm not sure I'm putting Wilson in my starting lineup this week or the week after that, but he's the kind of person that I'm fine putting on my roster, seeing if he's able to repeat this kind of performance a couple of times. And at that point, willing to put him in, in my lineup, but in general, if you're able to get a highly drafted rookie wide receiver who's starting off the waiver wire at this point of the season, uh, happy to take a chance on those kind of players. Nice. Yeah, I like that. Um, all right, a few more wide receivers here. We got Tyler Boyd of the Cincinnati Bengals, who is rostered in 43% of ESPN leagues. Uh, Jameson Williams of the Detroit Lions, rostered at 16%. We also have a couple Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receivers, Trey Palmer and Devin Tompkins. Um, both of those guys rostered in fewer than 1% of leagues. And then Marvin Mims of the Denver Broncos, who was rostered in 17% of leagues. So, Nate, uh, pretty decent, interesting names here um, for, the, for the waiver wires. Where do you want to start um, with this one? Oh, yeah, wide receiver down. Definitely the most stepped off the waiver wire this week. We'll start with Boyd. Uh, T. Higgins suffered a ribs injury. Uh, hopefully won't miss too much time, but there's a chance that Higgins will miss a little bit of time here and there. Um, in past seasons, this would mean Boyd would go from playing in three wide receiver sets to also playing in two receiver sets. Uh, the Bengals only ran one play out of 12 personnel after this injury, and Boyd was not on the field for it, so not willing to take too much uh, stock into just one single play, but it's at least worth noting. But we did see Boyd see an increased number of targets. Uh, he had a 31% target rate over the second half of this game, so good to see him get more targets. Obviously, the Bengals' offense hasn't been playing as well recently, so hard to get too high on Boyd with this injury, especially if it's not going to be a long-term injury. But Boyd is still someone who could be worth picking up in some leagues and starting just depending on uh, which wide receivers you have who are on bye weeks. So not expecting Boyd to be this great long-term option, but if you are looking for a wide receiver specifically for the short term, then Boyd is someone who could be worth considering. Yeah, definitely. And, and have to imagine that that Bengals offense gets better at, at some point. It has not been a good start for them and, and we'll see what happens with T Higgins, but potentially could miss a game here in which case, yeah, Boyd becomes a lot more interesting too. Right. So um, how about Jamison Williams? Had his suspension reduced uh, last week, surprise, and, and now is eligible to play in week five. Um, how do you feel about the adding Jamison Williams, and, and when do you think you could potentially be, be starting him? 
I think they're going to ease him into action, so definitely would not be putting him in my starting lineup this week. I think he's just someone to take a chance on simply because of his talent that he had coming out of college. Uh, last season, he was kind of eased into action at that point, so uh, he had two really big plays, but uh, was not consistent whatsoever. A lot of games where he saw snaps but didn't see the ball whatsoever. Uh, then in the preseason, his playing time, the first week of the preseason, was a bit concerning. Um, they rested their starters, but Williams was not among those players who were resting, and he was playing into the third quarter of the game where most of the players for the Lions uh, who were playing at that point of the game are not on the roster anymore, some of them on the practice squad. But uh, So it was a little concerning then, and then Williams suffered an injury, missed the last two preseason games, so... It hasn't necessarily been promising for Williams since he's entered the NFL, but just going back to what he was able to do in college, which led him to be the 12th overall pick of the 2022 draft, um, willing to take a chance on him uh, at the bottom of my roster just in case uh, the Lions are able to unlock that talent that Williams had in college. So uh, definitely a gamble, someone that you're picking up for the long term and not for the short term, but uh, if you're looking for someone who could help you down the line rather than someone who can help you right now, then Williams is someone that you should be considering. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price price line yeah I, i'm with you and like the plus side of it i guess right is he's not coming off injury he's coming off suspension so should be fairly healthy here but yeah i i don't think that he's going to come in and, and immediately have like a significant role we we know that dan campbell is not in a rush to play his first round picks um who are taken in the top 12 so uh, Josh Reynolds too has done a decent job filling as their top outside yeah. uh, wide receiver, right? So um, hard for them to kind of move on from him necessarily right away, but potentially maybe later in the year if Williams can look good, um, there, there's that upside there for him um, to be a decent fantasy option. But yeah, I would be a little bit wary of starting him right away. Um, how about Trey Palmer and Devin Tompkins of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? We know Mike Evans is, is potentially dealing with an injury. How do you feel about these guys coming in and filling in for him? Uh, yeah, so a lot of this will depend on the extent of Evans' injury. I don't think we've heard too much to this point. So if we find out Mike Evans is just fine, then I would leave these guys on the waiver wire. Um, the big thing is it's hard to tell which of these two will end up seeing more targets. Uh, we saw Palmer more or less take over the slot role last week, but then this week before the Evans injury, he was again rotating with Tompkins here and there, so it was a little disappointing to see in the first half of this game. Uh, then once Evans had his injury, Palmer moved to the outside, Tompkins took over in the slot, so this seemed like it would be Palmer who would be running more routes, which happened in this game, but Tompkins did end up getting targeted more often. Um, both players scored a touchdown, so it wouldn't be surprising if, if this was a significant injury. It could be some weeks that Palmer's doing better, some weeks that Topkins is doing better. Uh, potentially will be dependent on the matchup that they're facing. So um, probably not too high on either one of these players with Evans potentially out. But if you're in some of these bigger leagues where a lot of the guys that we're talking about are typically rostered, then I think Palmer and Topkins are definitely two of the better options this week. For sure. And then the last one on the list, Marvin Mims. Uh, we, we've talked about him a few times. I mean, I can't imagine there, there, there's a single person not asking for more Marvin Mims playing time. So what did it look like uh, this past week? Um, on the bright side, he at least was tied with Brandon Johnson in terms of both offensive snaps and routes run. So that was really good to see. Uh, the Broncos ran a remarkably low amount of snaps. So if you were just looking at the raw numbers, Mims was basically running the same amount of routes and seeing the same number of snaps that he's seen every other week. But if you look at it from the percentage perspective and the fact that uh, he was tied with Johnson, that was pretty promising. So wouldn't be surprised at even next week, we see Mims overtake Johnson as the primary outside receiver. Um, one fun stat I found is uh, uh, 
it's him, Justin Jefferson, and Tyree Kill as the only wide receivers averaging at least one reception of 30 or more yards per game so far this season. So if I'm able to find a stat that puts a wide receiver with Justin Jefferson and Tyree Kill as the only three wide receivers, that's a pretty good sign for him. So uh, Mims didn't add to his value all that much this week, but I think he could be the starter as starter in three wide receiver sets as soon as this upcoming week. So uh, willing to take a chance on him. He just needs to see more playing time and more targets though, in order to be able to trust him in lineups. Yeah, that would be nice. I mean, he's run just 39 routes on the year. And like you've said, the, the, the fantasy fantasy production has still been pretty solid for a guy that's run less than 40 routes um, for the entire season. So it would be nice to see him get involved more, especially for an offense that could use that level of um, upside and and, um, and and big play potential. So hoping for more uh, Marvin Mims in the weeks ahead. Um, before we go on to the rest of the, the waiver wire targets, uh, we have one more ad to talk about today. And Manscaped is back. Um, Manscaped has taken a step up uh, from Balloween to bring the fa- bring your face the cleanest shave it's ever seen. Oh, it rhymes too. Um, so this season, no need to toil and trouble. Manscaped's all-new handyman is the best way to get rid of that stubble. Wow. Featuring a compact design and next-gen skin-safe technology, the handyman was designed to give you that smooth finish without the mess of a traditional shave. Get the sweetest treat this Halloween by going to manscaped.com and use code PFF for 20% off plus free shipping. For wet or dry use, feel free to bring this anywhere and everywhere. The compact design and airplane friendliness makes this the perfect travel tool for for on the go. And being able to shave up to three days growth without the mess of a wet shave is priceless. And for my wolf men with a little more scruff, Manscaped's Beard Hedger Pro Kit has everything you need to tame your mane. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code PFF for a look as sweet as candy. Get yourself the handyman from Manscaped. I have to love their um, willingness to stick with the themes uh, in in each uh, ad read. So thank you, Manscaped. Uh, We appreciate you. And let's move on to the tight ends here, Nate. Um, At the top of the list, we have Jake Ferguson of the Dallas Cowboys, who is rostered in 24% 24% of leagues. Um, he's had a nice start to the season. We also have Luke Musgrave of the Green Bay Packers rostered in 35% of ESPN leagues. And then a couple lower numbers of rostership here. Jonu Smith of the Atlanta Falcons. Yes, not Kyle Pitts of the Atlanta Falcons. That's Jonu Smith rostered in less than half a percent of leagues. And Logan Thomas of the Washington Commanders at 7%. So Nate, the tight ends, the position continues to kind of be messy every single year, but um, maybe we'll start with Jake Ferguson here. Who's looked promising. Uh, What can you tell us about him from the Dallas Cowboys? Yeah, I think while a number of tight ends that were drafted have been messy, I think in general, it's been a pretty interesting year. We still have the top three tight ends that were drafted ending up as the top three tight ends in fantasy points per game so far this season. So if you took a chance on a tight end high, you're at least happy with what you've gotten out of your tight end so far. But also we've seen a lot of these young tight ends that we were hoping to break out, and it seems like they're starting to break out so it's been great to see ferguson is one of those tight ends on that list Uh, he had seven receptions 77 receiving yards so definitely a great game out of ferguson the big thing that we've been concerned about is his playing time Uh, he's been among the top tight ends in terms of how often he is uh, targeted per route so that's been great to see and the only problem is hendershot was taking a lot of snaps out of 11 personnel and hendershot was uh, inactive in this game due to injury it didn't actually lead to a huge increase in playing time for ferguson he started seeing a little bit more time in 11 personnel but uh, luke shoemaker was still playing some of those snaps in 11 personnel uh, particularly more on rundowns but i think this even when hendershot is back we might not see ferguson see the ideal amount of snaps that we want out of a starting fantasy tight end but he's getting targeted so much that it might not matter he's uh just travis kelsey is the only one who has a higher target rate among tight ends so far this season and based on the routes that they're running so um 
Ferguson is probably getting to the point where I'd be comfortable starting him depending on the matchup and wouldn't be surprised if at some point this season he's at that point where you're just keeping him in your starting lineup each week regardless of the opponent. So if you drafted one of these tight ends who weren't one of the top three tight ends or tight end who's dealing with injury or something like that, then I think Ferguson is definitely someone that you want to be picking up both for the short term and the long term. Yeah, some promising stuff there from Ferguson, despite the the lower snap totals. I mean, he's finished inside the top 12 PPR tight ends in each of the past three weeks as well. Tight end four um, this past week. So, uh, I mean, ideally we see his snap share kind of increase, but like you said, the the targets are there for him when he's on the field. So that's been uh, nice to see. And then potentially that that could continue in the weeks ahead. Luke Musgrave of the Green Bay Packers, somebody that we've talked about quite a bit. I, I know he's dealing with a concussion, but they got a longer layoff here um, from playing on Thursday night to, to playing next in, in week five. So we feel pretty good about Luke Musgrave um, going forward. How about Jonu Smith, though? Um, let's go there because obviously Kyle Pitts is, is the, the big story again this season at tight end, just not producing, not being utilized the same. So what did we see from Jonu Smith that that should have uh, fantasy managers at least optimistic about maybe him as the Atlanta tight end? Uh, yeah, I had to spend a bit of time Sunday night deciding if I'm really including Jonu <laughs> Smith here. It's weird with Kyle Pitts that he's getting uh, so much of the hate so far this season, even though he's still among the top tight ends in terms of how often he's running routes. He's just not seeing the targets that we'd like, and he just has an absurdly high 12.1 yards uh, average depth of target, which for a tight end, it's a couple yards more than any other tight end. So he just needs to uh, see some of this work that Johnny Smith is seeing. But uh, basically, if I try to think of it more as Kyle Pitts as a wide receiver who has tight end eligibility, uh, eligibility that means Johnny Smith is pretty much the primary receiving tight end for Atlanta. Um, he's not all that high in terms of his routes run, but he's very high in terms of the percentage of his routes where he's targeted among the top five tight ends in the league there. Uh, has an average yards, average depth of target of 7.8, which is much more in line with tight ends in the league. Um, he caught six passes for 95 yards this past week, which no other tight end has reached 95 yards in a game so far this season. So, uh, a lot of the other tight ends that are anywhere close to that 95 yards in any single game, almost all of them are rostered at this point outside of one or two who got 50 plus yards from one single catch. So uh, Smith is someone that if he's able to keep this up and continue kind of acting as Atlanta's primary tight end with Kyle Pitts being a little bit more like a wide receiver, especially with how much he's lining up out wide as well. I think Smith at least has a shot of having fantasy value, uh, especially depending on the matchup going forward. Like in an ideal world, Pitts would be getting a lot of these shorter targets that Smith is getting so that uh, he'd be able to get the volume needed to be a consistent fantasy contributor. But for now, Smith is the player getting those targets. Well, there we go. Um, how about uh, last one here that we'll talk about? Logan Thomas of the Washington Commanders. Um, I know he missed some time with injury, but he is back in the lineup now. So uh, feeling optimistic about Logan Thomas in Washington um, after this week? Uh, yeah, he's been one of those uh, sleepers throughout this offseason that was like, we know he has a new offensive coordinator that loves throwing to veteran tight end. So that was the big thing for him. And we knew what he was capable of doing a couple of seasons ago, even though the past uh, two or three years haven't been quite as high. Um, but he's just seeing a decent number of targets in his time with Washington. He uh, missed that time last week and missed significant time in week two with that. Uh, injury, but he was able to come back, uh, return to seeing a clear majority of snaps at the tight end position. Uh, when he was off the field, it was typically 21 personnel, which is more of a running formation anyway, so not the hugest deal that he was off the field in on those plays. Um, finished second on the team in receiving yards with 41, caught the three passes thrown his way, um, so not the most ideal amount of targets for him, but uh, he's gained at least seven PPR points in every week, making him a decent 
consistent tight end, even though he hasn't had that huge upside to this point. But it's worth noting that uh, the commanders have the best long-term schedule for tight ends, according to our strength of schedule tool. So um, he has the opportunity to play pretty well in some good matchups over the course of the rest of the season. So another player that's available in a clear majority of leagues that could be in uh, some fantasy starting lineups, especially with bye weeks over these next few weeks. Nice. I like it. Um, But that's it. That's all our waiver wire targets. Um, That's pretty much going to do it. For our fantasy portion, hopefully you guys are able to get at least a few of those waiver claims in there this week. Um, As we do each Tuesday, we're going to move to our five-round draft of random things. Nate, we did the top yellow characters. Well, we actually did it two weeks ago, but we didn't get the, the vote out there until last week because we had some technical difficulties. But you took the best yellow characters. Um, you broke my streak of being undefeated when it came to the, the colors. Um, so congratulations to you. Uh, but this week, we are drafting uh, players that are eligible for the Hall of Fame that are not yet in there. So we're going to try to come up with our best Hall of Fame class. Is that is that a good way to describe it? Oh, yep. And I'll add it uh, specifically the modern era. So they came out with their list about two weeks ago of the 170 or so people that are eligible in the modern era. So all players who um, have retired at least five years ago, but within the last 20 years. So all of the players that and coaches, uh, coaches are also completely separate category, but those players and coaches will not be included for this. Just those guys who retired within five to 20 years ago. Five to 20. All right, sweet. So I should be good there. Um, I, I don't have to talk about Bo Jackson. Um, so, <laughs> uh, but yeah, let I, I get the first overall pick because you won uh, the last one. So it was tough. It was tough to kind of come up with who I should pick first, but I think I think I'm going to go with uh, Julius Peppers, the d- defensive end, uh, mostly with the Carolina Panthers, but he did play for Chicago uh, in Green Bay as well. But he is fourth in NFL history with 159.5 sacks. He played 17 seasons. Um, he's sixth all-time in games played. He's the only player in NFL history with at least 150 sacks and 10 or more interceptions. So I'm going with Julius Peppers. Um, shout out to the IDP crowd as well, starting with a defensive player. Um, but that, that that was the one that kind of stood out to me as the guy I should probably take first. Um, but I'm interested to see where you go. Fair. So I'm going to go with the player that I wouldn't necessarily say is the most deserving on this list to make the Hall of Fame, but the one that I want to most make sure that I get on my team because of how unique he is, and that is Devin Hester, the longtime punt returner, uh, primarily for Chicago, also a very good kick returner, made two all-decade teams, has 14 punt return touchdowns, which is the most for any returner in the history of the NFL. Uh, The next closest is 10, so a good four-touchdown lead over anyone else. Um, If you only look at the returners over the past 20 or so years, the next best has seven, so he is doubling the next best player there. Also third all-time in punt return yards, so uh, there are not enough special teamers in the Hall of Fame, so getting Hester um, this year feels like it should be the year, and getting Hester on my roster, I can get other edge edge rushers, other wide receivers, uh, and later picks in the draft. This is the only chance that I might have to get uh, one of the best returners in the history of the NFL. Yeah, that that that's a good call. I, I had Hester next on my list. Um, I, I definitely understand going there. Um, okay, so that changes things a little bit. I, I guess I'm going to go with uh, Antonio Gates, tight end. Um, all 16 seasons with the Chargers, 116 touchdown catches, which is a record for tight ends. Most multi-touchdown games by tight end with 21. Fourth most 100-yard receiving games as well. Love Antonio Gates. Um, he was a great fantasy asset as well at the tight end position, um, especially as we look back and remember some of the fond tight ends as we struggle with some of the tight ends this year. Uh, I think Antonio Gates especially more deserving and then hope he gets in this year as well. That's fair. Uh, Gates and Peppers were the other two of my top three, so definitely solid picks there and pretty well covers the first-year eligible players. Do so. I think I'm going to go with someone who has been eligible before, but I think should have already gotten in. And I'll go with Andre Johnson, a longtime Houston Texans wide receiver, uh, 14,000 receiving yards with them, 
So a wide receiver that I think was very talented and being able to do that with Houston, uh, some of the other wide receivers that are deserving to get in were able to do so with Hall of Fame quarterbacks throwing to them, uh, having uh, Matt Schraub as probably the best quarterback throwing to Johnson. Um, I think it's fairly impressive what he was able to do considering uh, the quality of team that he was on and quality of quarterback compared to some of the other wide receivers who are eligible and have made the Hall of Fame. Yeah, Andre Johnson was amazing. I, I love him as well. He was on my list here. Um, all right, I think I'm going to go back to the defense as well, and I'm going to go with a player, yeah, not just not newly eligible, but I feel like the linebacker position is, is kind of overlooked sometimes, and Patrick Willis of the San Francisco 49ers, one of the best, I think, ever. Um, 950 tackles, 20 and a half sacks, eight interceptions, 16 forced fumbles, two touchdowns, eight years played all with San Francisco as well. I think those kinds of things matter. Um, just staying with one team, but um, Patrick Willis, I know, you know, not the the longest careers with, with just eight seasons, but amazing in pretty much all eight of them as well. So um, Patrick Willis, I think is deserving for me. Yeah. He's also someone where if you look at the PFF grades, I believe still the best linebacker that we've ever graded in terms of career grades. So Good to see that there were a lot of the players that we're talking about had some of their career or at least some of the peak of their career before the PFF era. Um, well, I'm going to try to make you pay for not picking a wide receiver yet. So I'll just continue going with wide receivers and Tester. I think technically at least part of his career was a wide receiver as well. So I'll go with Reggie Wayne as my next one, the longtime Indianapolis Colt uh, catching passes from Peyton Manning there. Um, I think it's just over two for him. I know there were other Colts Hall of Famers on that offense, but I think Wayne definitely qualifies, especially playing a bit longer than some of the other great Colts players of that era and continuing to play well, even when uh, Peyton Manning wasn't the quarterback there anymore. So happy to get Wayne for my third pick. Yeah, yeah, great call. Um, yeah, that definitely pretty much uh, wipes out all the wide receivers for me now. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, hey, another Indianapolis Colts. I'm going to go with Dwight Freeney, uh, defensive end. Um, so another defensive player, but uh, 125 and a half sacks over 17 seasons, mostly with the Colts. But then he, he played for the Chargers. He played for Arizona, Atlanta, Detroit, Seattle. He was kind of all over the place. Um, always had been effective when he was on the field. Um, for the most part, too, even later in his career, he still showed some of that um, patented spin move and, and things like that that we love from Dwight Freeney. So I think he has a chance as well. I'm going to go with uh, with him and, and uh, team him up with Julius Peppers there. Well, I can't let you have all of the fun with edge rushers, so I'm going to get an edge rusher of my own. I'll go with Jared Allen, uh, originally with the Kansas City Chiefs, then with the Minnesota Vikings for a long time. A four-time, first-time All-Pro. There was a time where he was arguably the best edge rusher in the NFL, so I think he's definitely deserving. He's been waiting a couple of years. I think this could very well be his year. Yeah, nice call. Um yeah, that, that Jared Allen was awesome, too. He's such a good player. Um, all right, this is my last pick, I believe. Um, yep. I only have one offensive player. I'm going to go offense. Um, oh, man, I, I did not leave myself with much. But I, Okay, I'm going to go with uh, Sean Alexander, running back for the Seattle Seahawks for the most part. Um, 9,453 rushing yards, 1,520 receiving yards, 100 rushing touchdowns. 12 receiving touchdowns, and he was a former NFL MVP as well, which is not easy to do as a running back. So um, I think he has a chance, maybe. We'll see if, if the how the NFL feels about running backs um, in the classes ahead, but I think I'm going to go with Sean Alexander. There, I have uh, two players left on my list that I was considering. Uh, one of them is Torrey Holt, but I don't want to go with four wide receivers on my team, so I will go the other route, and that'll be Willie Anderson. A uh, long-time right tackle, um, founder of PFF, Neil Hornsby, went back and looked at all of his film over the course of his entire career. And Anderson, um, if we go back, could be the best right tackle that we have seen in the past 30 or so years of pro football. So um, I know it's hard because right tackles don't always get a lot of love. But in the two years that we have data for Willie Anderson, he was excellent. And that's at the very end of his career. So I would expect 
the early parts of his career to be just as incredible. But unfortunately, when you look at Hall of Fame, you're often looking at all pro teams and pro ball teams and oftentimes right tackles did not get the credit that they deserve on those kind of lists. So hopefully Anderson is able to get in sooner rather than later. Nice. Yeah, that, I like that call. I, I wanted to put an offensive lineman in there as well, but it, it's always harder to kind of look back on these guys without, you know, having the PFF grades necessarily. But nice to see that we have at least a few seasons of, of Willie Anderson in the system. Um, so I went uh, Julius Peppers, Antonio Gates, Patrick Willis, Dwight Freeney, and Sean Alexander. And you have Devin Hester, Andre Johnson, Reggie Wayne, Jared Allen, and Willie Anderson. So we'll get that up there uh, today to vote on, and we will see how that one plays out. But that is going to wrap up another episode. I appreciate everyone tuning in. Again, hopefully those waiver wire targets help you uh, add some depth to your roster and fill-ins for the weeks ahead as bye weeks start here kind of going forward. Um, thank you all for listening. Nate, thank you to you as well for breaking it all down. Um, you are off for the rest of the week as far as the podcast goes. So please remind everybody where uh, what else they can expect to find from you on pff.com this week. Sure. So I have my recaps for week four all up. Uh, the waiver wire went up yesterday, five to add, five to drop, five to buy low, five to sell high. Also went up today. Um, later today, within our tools, I'll have my rankings for this upcoming week. The rankings article will be coming out tomorrow. And then uh, we'll be spending all day tomorrow writing Start Set, which will be going out on Thursday. Awesome. Yeah, definitely check all of that stuff out on pff.com. As for me, I will have the IDP Fantasy Report out um, today at some point this afternoon, uh, and that'll have all the IDP waiver wire targets in there um, for you and also all the snap shares and utilization for every single IDP from week four. Um, yeah, that, but that's going to do it. We, I am back tomorrow doing the IDP uh, weekly preview here uh, in the PFF Fantasy Podcast feed as well as the week four preview on Thursday or week five preview on Thursday with Kate Majuk. So excited for those. Hopefully you all tune in again. Thank you all for listening. And until next time, peace out.